What's up there, guys? Pete Mundo, HeartlandCollegeSports.com. Thanks for downloading this week's radio show into podcast form. We appreciate that and appreciate you. And please do rate, review, subscribe, iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play. Do it. Email me a screenshot, Pete Mundo at HeartlandCollegeSports.com, and I will get a free Heartland College Sports koozie in the mail for you. It's a great deal. We appreciate that, appreciate you, and we'll talk to you soon. Third and goal at the three, and Iowa State moved at the snap. Skyler Thompson to the goal line, touchdown. I can feel it coming on now as the music plays. Taking shots with the night out. He's at the Baylor 35, the 30, the 25, the 20. It's a foot race to the 10, to the 5, into the end zone. He goes again. David Sills with a 53-yard touchdown reception. We're going all night long, everybody and the Cyclones win it. They have knocked off the number four TCU Hard Frogs. This is not some mirage. When the They just kept trying to catch him, and he just kept running away from him. It's 81 yards for McCluskey on the grab. It's caught at the 10, to the 5, into the end zone, it's a touchdown! Oh, mother! So I really don't even know what to make of the Big 12 Conference anymore. I, I am just, I'm dumbfounded, I really am. Pete Mundo, Heartland College Sports Weekly, part of heartlandcollegesports.com, where your independent Big 12 digital media outlet, and we appreciate you joining us here on the show. Now, uh, you look at this conference and how topsy-turvy this thing is. It's unbelievable. It's absolutely unbelievable. So let's get this straight. Kansas State beat Oklahoma State a couple weeks ago, right? Oklahoma State just beat Texas. Texas beat Oklahoma earlier in October. But Kansas State gets waxed by the Sooners on Saturday by 30-some-odd points, and it could have been 50 points if OU wanted it to be. Somebody help me figure out this conference. I'll tell you what. It's a hell of a lot of fun. I'm really enjoying it. And while it might hurt the conference's chances of making the college football playoff, it doesn't get much more entertaining than what you're getting out of the Big 12 Conference this year. It just it doesn't. It is so freaking interesting. It is. Now, let's look at the conference top to bottom. Texas can't make the college football playoff anymore. It can't. It's tied at 4-1 in the Big 12, and this is why so many, so many Texas fans over the last few weeks said, don't worry about the Maryland loss, man. Not a big deal. Why you keep bringing it up? Well, because it was the only way you were going to make the college football playoff was if you went undefeated in the Big 12. That was it. It was the only way that this Texas Longhorns team was going to be able to make the college football playoff. They would have had to run the table. There's just no other way it could have been done. A two-loss Big 12 champion was not going to be in the college football playoff. I mean, it's I know it's a small sample size, but the Big 12 does not get the SEC level of respect. It does not get the Big 10 level of respect. The Big 12, the ACC, and the Pac-12 are kind of all on a similar plane, right? kind of all in the same playing field. So that was never going to happen. And now they have this slip up on the road in Stillwater, and it's over. 
yeah, they can still win the Big 12. That's great. I think every Texas fan in America would take 10-2 and and be very happy about it. But if you were talking about the college football playoff, it was not going to happen. Now, Notre Dame might screw this whole thing up. If the Irish stay undefeated, they're in. If they have one loss, depending on who that loss is to, I don't think they should be in, which is why ultimately Notre Dame has got to get itself into a conference. These games against Navy and Air Force and Army, you know, that was cute in 1945. Stop. I mean, stop with that. And I know you say, oh, we play all these Power 5 teams if you're Notre Dame, and uh, no one has as many Power 5 opponents as we do. Enough with the uh, with the academies, and I respect the hell out of the academies. I do. Those guys deserve all our respect. But in terms of Notre Dame and wanting to be in the college football playoff and wanting to be one of the premier teams in America, you can't be playing the service academies, not playing at a conference championship game, and then trying to convince me you are worthy of a spot in the championship game. I mean, look at the final BCS game against Alabama. Uh, Manti Teow and his girlfriend couldn't stop a nosebleed in that game. Didn't have a chance. So I don't want to be doing that whole spiel. I don't know how it's going to play out, but in terms of the Big 12, no shot a two-loss team gets in. So right now we're down to Oklahoma. And this Oklahoma team, gosh, you think the 2015, they lose to Texas, they run the table, they make the playoff. You think the last year, they lose to Iowa State, they run the table, they make the playoff. I don't know if this team is better than last year. I think the talent is better. And that's not a knock on Baker Mayfield. It's not. Take the quarterback position out of it. The defensive talent is better. The offensive talent is a year older and more mature. This offensive line lost to Orlando Brown and might be better than last year's team. Orlando Brown was what? A third, fourth round pick by, I want to say the Bengals or somebody? That's how good this team is. And I got to be honest. I think you're going to start hearing more and more of this as time goes on. Look at what Alabama does, look at what Oklahoma does, that's the best championship matchup. All this talk this weekend, all oh, LSU-Alabama, that could be a preview of a college football playoff semifinal. The best opponent to take down in Alabama is Oklahoma, is Kyler Murray, is that offense. That's the best chance. And maybe people will start jumping on that bandwagon, but I firmly believe it. Now, OU's got to win out to get there. They also can't stumble. They can't lose a single game. But if they keep playing, and they've gotten better since that loss to Texas, I know it's been a couple of bad opponents in TCU and Kansas State, but now this team has allowed, what, 17 points over the last, I guess that'd be six quarters? Dating back to halftime of TCU? Ruff and McNeil is starting to show his stripes a little bit here. And you got to like what you're seeing if you're an Oklahoma Sooners fan. So there's a lot of reason to be happy and impressed by what this team has going on. And it still is very much in the mix for the college football playoff. It is. Now, in terms of who else can get in that mix, Texas and West Virginia are playing this weekend. You have OU, Texas, West Virginia at the top of the Big 12 standings. All are 4-1. and one. And we'll get to my thoughts on that game later on in the show. But let me just say this. We are going to be there. Heartland College Sports will be there doing a little tailgate, having a little event. So we hope to see a lot of you out there. There is more information on heartlandcollegesports.com. So be sure to check that out. Stay tuned for that. And we'll have updates for you throughout the week.
Now, in our Big 12 power rankings this week, we had Iowa State at number two, and I don't even think that's debatable. You know, what Iowa State is doing right now is exactly what Iowa State fans hoped was going to happen before the season. They saw a team with a great defense coming back, another year under Matt Campbell's tutelage. You had David Montgomery back in the saddle, Hakeem Butler at wide receiver. I always call him Hakeem Bailey. I didn't write there. Hakeem Butler at wide receiver. And you said to yourself, geez, a veteran quarterback as well and Kyle Kemp, this team can be a dark horse. This team can do it. And I'm convinced that opening game against South Dakota State that got uh, thundered and lightninged out, that threw that whole season for a loop. Now, maybe Kyle Kemp doesn't get injured. And maybe we never see Brock Purdy. Maybe Kyle Kemp just kind of does his thing, which is, eh, he's a fine quarterback. He's not explosive. He's smart. He's savvy. He's accurate. He's not Brock Purdy, though. And maybe Kemp doesn't get injured. And maybe they play better against Iowa. And then maybe we never see Zeb Noland. This season could be so different. Just think about that if you're an Iowa State fan. But I think this team, the way it's playing, especially on the defensive side of the ball, is what a lot of Iowa State fans were hoping for and thought was possible before the season started. And now they are right there in the mix. They are in the conversation. Their schedule is pretty easy from here on out. It is. There's not much there that they have to worry about. So you look at what they have coming up. They've already played West Virginia. They beat them. And they've already played uh, Oklahoma, and they lost to them. So they're sitting at 3-2 and two in the Big 12. They beat Texas Tech last week. The only team left at the uh, top of the standings that Iowa State has to play is Texas. They got Kansas, Iowa State, uh, excuse me, Kansas, Baylor, and Kansas State. And then Texas, they're the uh, weekend, I guess that'd be before Thanksgiving. They go 3-1 and one at worst over that stretch. What are they then? They are 6-3 and three in the Big 12. They go 7-2. and two. They beat Texas with the tiebreaker over Oklahoma. If Texas maybe wins this week against West Virginia, you know what you got? You got a game in Arlington, Texas on December 1st with Iowa State taking on Oklahoma for the Big 12 championship. That incarnate word game is going to have to be rescheduled, and I don't think any Iowa State fan is going to be upset about that. I really don't. So it's fascinating to me to see how this Iowa State team has come along over the past few weeks and how Brock Purdy has transformed, absolutely transformed, not just Iowa State, but the entire Big 12. What a grab. I remember when he announced his commitment. I said, good, good job. I didn't think he'd be this. Not as a true freshman. No way, no how. I did not see it. So from the feel good to the feel bad, the feel bad, ITCU's a mess. And that Horfrox team is a total disaster right now. From Gary Patterson, what a week. Guy's got to kick off Kevontae Turpin, shut down his starting quarterback, Sean Robinson, for the season, and then he loses to Kansas, a team that's uh, flirted with beating TCU, what, three of the past four years before this season. And they finally get snake bitten up in uh, Lawrence, which was embarrassing, which was pathetic. I don't know if this team is just that bad or they've given up. I don't know the answer. It didn't look to me like a team that just bent over and gave up last week, and it didn't. But Michael Collins, who I thought showed shades of being pretty solid against Oklahoma, uh, did not look great. I know the stat sheet tells a different story. I get it. I didn't think he looked great. The defense was leaky at times. I know there's been some injuries there as well. But 
this TCU season went from eh, mediocre, let down, disappointing, to potentially disastrous. Now, I'm not concerned about it. Gary Patterson is going to recruit well, and he'll probably have a maybe a 5-7 and seven season, and then the next year they'll be you know competing for the Big 12 championship or something like that. But it's still, TCU fans are like, geez, coming off last year, Big 12 championship appearance, and now we got this, losing to Kansas? Losing to the Jayhawks? I didn't sign up for this. And kudos to David Beatty. I don't think this saves his job. I don't think it should. I don't think it will. But people are pointing out, hey, he's got three wins this season. They had three wins the past three years. That's worth something. Guess what else, though? They have all seniors on this team. If your full recruiting cycle with all seniors gets you three wins, are we going to jump up and down for joy? Because next year is going to be then starting from square one. The rebuild's going to begin all over again for this team and for this program. I don't know who wants to deal with that. And based on where they are in the recruiting rankings, 169th, they have one recruit for next season. How are you going to justify this? I want to see David Beatty do well, but I'm not going to sit here and say one win over TCU is all we need to see. Yeah, the other losses have been closer than the past couple of years, but is keeping the losses closer really what we want to see? I, I just, I don't, I'm not buying into it. I'm not. Pete Mundo, Heartland College Sports Weekly, part of heartlandcollegesports.com, your independent Big 12 digital media outlet. The first college football playoff rankings are out. That and more coming up next. Well, did you see Mike Gundy's little rant after the win against Texas? That was, it was an absolute thing a beauty last week. Pete Mundo, Heartland College Sports Weekly, part of heartlandcollegesports.com, your independent Big 12 digital media outlet. So Mike Gundy had a fantastic response to a reporter that asked him about this whole uh, Taylor Cornelius criticism, social media, Twitter nonsense. And here's what Gundy had to say. Criticism where? From where? Noise. From where? Twitter, radio. Yeah. Oh, I'd give a rat's ass about Twitter. It's a platform for people that are sitting home trolling an unemployment check, sitting in front of a keyboard. I'm not disregarding what you're saying. Trust me, I get it at my own house. But, I, I mean, I just kind of felt like that social media and Twitter is what's destroying this country anyway. So that's how I feel about it, from politics to sports to whatever. It gives people a platform to and then other people are, like, needling it, and they're sitting at home, and they're late on a payment. So, anyway, that's how I feel. I'll tell you what, Mike Gundy's not wrong. He's not wrong, and this comes from somebody who uses Twitter, and I'm not an over-tweeter. At least I don't think of myself as one. I tweet when I have either information from my daily talk show in Kansas City or when I have stuff related to this website or this show. But I don't view myself as an over-tweeter. I certainly don't go on Twitter to try to just, uh, you know, embarrass people or make people look foolish. That's not what I have any interest in doing. I have too many other things to do in my day, and I know most of you do as well. But when Mike Gundy sits there and he says that Twitter is, social media in general, is kind of what's ruining, ruining this society, I'm sitting there and I'm saying, bravo, Mike Gundy. And Mike Gundy's not some old man. I mean, he's he's 50. I'm a man. I'm 50, right? Is that what he is now? I think he's 50 or something like that. But 
No, I mean, Mike Gundy nailed it. He's not some grandpa sitting on his couch saying, ah, you know, Twitter's ruining everything today. These kids, they just say, they don't know the good old days like we do. No. Mike Gundy gets it. Yeah, there's good things about social media, but day after day, if you go on Twitter, you sit there and you shake your head. And Gundy was referring to criticism about Taylor Cornelius. I've been critical of Taylor Cornelius. Now, I'm not going on Twitter and trolling people over it, but... I've been critical about Taylor Cornelius, and I have wondered time and time again if this team needs to give Spencer Sanders a shot or a Drew Brown a shot, especially since they can play in four games before they burn that red shirt. They're able to do it. But Gundy's little Twitter rant, that capped off a great weekend for the guy. It really did. It was it was a thing of beauty. And he deserves a lot of props for just coming out and just saying it. And I just say it. But I'll tell you what, too. Gundy's press conferences, he is either so up or so down. It's crazy. He's either on cloud nine or he's the most miserable SOB you could ever talk to. It's it's one of two ways with that guy. It really is. Now, the team that uh, Mike Gundy lost to a couple of weeks ago, Kansas State, I'm still trying to figure that one out. How does this team lose to K-State by 19 and then go out there and beat Texas? I have no idea. I really don't. But Bill Snyder said this week, that instead of just playing who he thinks is the most talented guy, he is going to take this game against TCU this week and use it to try to figure out who is given the best effort. More than who has the superior talent. Well, that's long overdue. My goodness. I mean, there's not a lot of talent on this K-State team as is. I'm sorry, there just there isn't. Both sides of the ball have a lot of issues. And that's unusual for Bill Snyder to come out and say that his team is not giving its best effort. That's a sign. And I don't know what Bill Snyder's future is. So I'll save it for another show. We've done enough discussion on that. But that is not a good sign when you have a guy like Bill Snyder admitting that his team and some of his players, guys that supposedly came to Kansas State to buy in to what Bill Snyder is selling that they are no longer given their best efforts. Jeez, it's a mess in Manhattan. But I'll tell you what, it's just as big a mess in Fort Worth, so it should be a battle of the messes this weekend. And we'll talk more about that game uh, later on in the show. But now if you missed this, the uh, rankings came out for the college football playoff. First rankings came out this week. And overall, the Big 12, I think, should be pretty happy with this thing. They got, honestly more respect than I thought they would. You had the Oklahoma Sooners coming at number seven. It's all well and good. That's kind of where I expected them. And you look at, you know, what they're behind right now and who they're dealing with. All right, they have LSU in front of them. LSU's got one loss. And I'm only talking right now about the one loss teams in front of them. And then from there on down, you have Michigan. They still got to play Ohio State. Georgia's got to play Kentucky this weekend. And then potentially, most likely, Alabama in the SEC championship game. So if OU goes undefeated, I don't think the rest of those teams are going to be rolling through with just one loss. They could, but I don't think that's going to happen. So I think that bodes well for OU if they run the table, still having a very good chance to make the college football playoff. And I don't buy Notre Dame. I just don't. And they have to go undefeated to make the college football playoff. They have to. There's no doubt. West Virginia at 13. I mean, maybe... 
you look at that and you say, okay, two wins over OU in eight days, would that do it? Would that get him into the college football playoff with one loss? I don't know. But I still believe that that non-conference game against NC State, who was ranked in the top 25, they came in at 21. That lack of a game is potentially, it might not, but potentially come back to bite West Virginia. Because had they won that game, that would have been a huge opportunity to put a great non-conference win on your resume. They don't have that. And maybe they wouldn't have won a game, so maybe it's for the best. But having a win like that against NC State would have been huge, absolutely huge for that resume for the Mountaineers. And missing that, it's going to hurt them, potentially. It is. Uh, Texas is 17. Uh, you know, whatever. Texas is done. They can win the Big 12. They're not going to the college football playoff. It is what it is. But then you had Iowa State at 24. I like that. Kudos to the committee for doing its job right. Getting a team like Iowa State in the top 25, which I think right now is playing like a top 25 team in the country, uh, the fact that they were legitimized, they were given the credit they deserve for how they played over the past few weeks with Brock Purdy, this is the stuff the AP poll doesn't do, the stuff that a computer doesn't do, but the stuff that a human committee is supposed to do. So I'm going to give credit where it's to do and where it's deserved. And that's the committee for putting Iowa State in the top 25. Well, coming up, let's preview Week 10 games right here, Heartland College Sports Weekly. Well, yes, it's already here. We are already to Week 10. At Week 10 of the Big 12 Conference, uh, college football season. I don't know where it's going, but I really don't like it. Uh, it's going too fast. I don't like where it's going. I'm Pete Mundo. Heartland College Sports Weekly, part of heartlandcollegesports.com. We are independent Big 12 digital media outlet. So a full slate of five games on the schedule on Saturday. It's been a long time since we had five games on a Saturday in the Big 12 because of the bye weeks, a couple of Thursday prime time games, but five games on Saturday in the Big 12 conference. Let's just start it off where everybody wants to. That's with West Virginia on the road against Texas. And I'm going to be at this game. I'm going to be there doing a little Heartland College sports deal, and it's going to be a lot of fun, very enjoyable. We'll have more details as the week goes on. If you haven't, check out our Facebook page. Check out the website for more details on the uh, plans for Saturday down in Austin. It's essentially what it is, is an elimination game for the Big 12 Conference Championship game. That's what it is. The loser of this game is basically it's impossible to get to AT&T Stadium on December 1st. Winner is in a great place. Absolutely fantastic spot. Loser, eh, not so much. But this game, ironically, or coincidentally enough, pits two of the top three rushing defenses in the Big 12 Conference. I don't think most people would have guessed that before the season. Maybe Texas, but certainly not West Virginia. And it is the Mountaineers with the second-best rushing D right now in the Big 12 behind the Iowa State Cyclones. And while I get it that, you know, the Mountaineers had a bomb of a game two weeks ago against Iowa State, they bounced back with that Thursday night matchup against Baylor. They've had a little more time off. Texas coming off that emotional loss on the road in Stillwater last Saturday night. So West Virginia's had more time to prep. I liked some of the new wrinkles I saw in the offense using more of the tight end. Clearly, Dana Holgerson had a much bigger place in the game plan following the Iowa State loss than he had prior to the Iowa State loss, and frankly, that's how it should be. Jake Spavadal seems like a nice guy, but there have been times over the past two years as the offensive coordinator when you've scratched your head, 
And I know Dana wanted to take the hands off the uh, steering wheel, so to speak, and kick his feet up and be more of a CEO. Can't do it. He can't. Dana's an offensive genius. He's got to be using his strengths and his abilities to help this team against this Texas defense, and you saw some of that against Baylor last week. So I think that West Virginia has fixed some of its issues. That's a good thing. Also, if Texas is secondary, which was better once Boyd and Davis got in the game after the first quarter, but there were still plenty of occasions where Boyd was getting absolutely smoked by Tylen Wallace, the Oklahoma State wide receiver. So you look at now Gary Jennings and David Sills and Sims, Simmons, the list goes on there at West Virginia. I mean, that secondary could have itself a tough day. There were some bad angles taken by Caden Stearns and Marcus or uh, BJ Foster, the two freshmen that play a lot in the secondary for Tom Herman. So West Virginia could make this very difficult through the air against the Texas Longhorns because if Taylor Cornelius can do it, you better believe Will Greer could do it. The thing for Texas, the key for Texas, is to be able to get to Greer quickly. Because the Mountaineers' offensive line is not great, and Texas has a very good front seven that can give the Mountaineers a heck of a lot of trouble. They are able to do that. But I I just like, I really do like, what Greer and company are going to be able to do offensively against this Texas team with a little bit of more time off and an ability to also stop the pass. The Mountaineers have the best pass defense efficiency in the entire Big 12 Conference. That's worth something. So have Sam Ellinger beat you on the ground, force him to run the ball, and get up a couple of scores. Texas does not want to play this game from behind. That's not how Texas wants to play any game, but especially this game against the West Virginia Mountaineers team that can score points quickly and at will. So I think this is a Big 12 championship eliminator, and I believe the Mountaineers are going to go into Austin and pick up the victory. I'm going to say West Virginia 35, Texas 31 in Austin on Saturday afternoon. I'll be there monitoring that game. And if you're going to be in town for the game, let me know. Hit me up on Twitter at Pete Mundo. Drop me a note, and we can uh, get together for a beer. We'd look forward to that. All right, also on the schedule this week, you've got Iowa State on the road against Kansas. Iowa State's playing some of the best football in the Big 12. Yes, Kansas got its nice little win last week against uh, TCU. But here's the thing. Outside of Oklahoma, nobody's playing better right now than Iowa State with Brock Purdy. That defense is lights out. They have done a fantastic job confusing the heck out of a couple of the better offenses in the Big 12 Conference. Just look what they've done over the past couple of weeks against a team like Texas Tech. And before that, look what they did to West Virginia. So you think Kansas is going to be a problem? Kansas got its win. They're emotional. They're fun. They're happy. They're loving life this past week. Iowa State's on a mission. Iowa State's looking at the Big 12 championship game. I think Iowa State rolls to a 35-14 to uh, 14 victory over the Kansas Jayhawks. Then we've got a battle of the bottom of the Big 12, Kansas State and TCU. Both these teams are a mess. TCU's at home. I'm going to give them the edge. I'm going to say last week was a fluke week. Gary Patterson had a new starting quarterback. He hit the kickoff, Cavante Turpin and ended up with a loss against Kansas. That'll wake a team up. If this team has a pulse left in it, they will blow out a very mediocre Bill Snyder Kansas State squad that got crushed in Norman last week, goes on the road now for a second straight week again. Uh, Tough times in Manhattan. TCU wins 
final of 31 to 20 over the uh, Kansas State Wildcats. Then you get Oklahoma State on the road against Baylor. You know, I think Oklahoma State pulls off the win, but I don't think it's going to be one of those big-time victories where we're sitting here and we're saying, wow, look at Oklahoma State coming off that victory last week. They're going to come down from an emotional high. It was homecoming. It was Texas, number six team in the country. I believe they'll go down there and get a victory because Baylor's defense, I know they've had a little bit more time off, but Baylor's defense is just not any good. And you have some issues with Charlie Brewer, McClendon. What direction are they going there? So I believe Oklahoma State is going to go into Waco and pick up. It's not going to be. Uh, it's not going to be with ease. But they'll pick up something like, um, let's say, final Oklahoma State 31, Baylor 28, something along those lines uh, in Waco. And then OU at Texas Tech. OU at Texas Tech. Well, I love Tech. I want to see him do it. The over-under on this game in points is 78. But I'm sorry, I don't see it happening. I think Oklahoma's on a mission. They're looking at the college football playoff. Tech is good, but OU's defense is getting better. Guys are playing looser. It's going to be fun. And OU steamrolls Texas Tech 45-28. to 28. There you have it. I'm Pete Mundo, HeartlandCollegeSports.com. Appreciate it, guys. We'll talk to you next week, same time and same place on Heartland College Sports Weekly. Stations, yeah, we're one big country nation, that's right.